Hi, everyone. I'm Linya Floyd, an award-winning journalist and co-host of the Scarlet Society podcast. If you remember that after 40 moment when the tides suddenly turned and staying fit and feeling sexy were a little more complicated than before, this episode is for you. On today's show, we have Lindsay Went. She is a nationally certified health coach and fitness instructor with specialty certifications in senior fitness and orthopedic health. That's joint pain, basically. She's the founder of Break Free Fitness, a curvy women's health and fitness company that reserves 10% of its membership and coaching packages as scholarships for low-income women. Lindsay has taught more than 10,000 classes to women on topics like reversing arthritis. Yeah, I said reversing. Modifying exercise for all bodies and staying healthy while aging. In this episode, Lindsay reveals the exact hormones that are tied to hunger and sex and the super simple thing that you can do to influence both of them. She talks us through a quick exercise that can strengthen your orgasms and she offers her best hacks for keeping workouts simple, fast, and fun. She also shares her two favorite moves for strengthening muscles and bones. The bonus is that one of those moves will have your partner saying they hate to see you go, but they love to watch you leave. You will change the way that you think about your body after listening to this episode. So let's dive in to our very fit and fun conversation. You're listening to the Scarlet Society podcast, the show that encourages women over 40 to be excited curious, and even turned on by starting the second half of their life. This is the show for support, community, and conversation about everything that goes along with this season. From sexual health and wellness to sexual exploration, finances, monogamy, and relationships, no topic is off limits. Let's dive in. All right, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I am thrilled to have a conversation that could change me from head to toe. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so pumped. I'm dancing over here. I love it. I want to jump right in and start dealing with some of these issues that our listeners are having. So let's talk right now about the biggest frustrations that women have Fitness-wise, after 40, everybody knows that your body starts to change, but let's call out explicitly what is happening here. Absolutely. So I'm going to dive into a deep, dark topic that not not many of us ever really talk about, and that's the dreaded M word, menopause. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So I don't know about you, Lenya, but growing up and even throughout adulthood, no one really talked to me about menopause. No one really told me what's happening, uh, why, what's going on. And everyone just kind of talked about it in these hushed tones, like it's some big embarrassing mm. secret or worse, we just you know ignore it altogether. So I actually want to talk just a little bit about what menopause is and what's happening because it relates very directly to like what's going on in your body. So menopause is actually just one single day, right? Um, It's the one-year anniversary since the last time you had a period. Now, what we traditionally think of as menopause is actually perimenopause, right? It's those years leading up to that single day, right? And it's those uh, final years where your period is tapering off that those are the years that's filled with the hot flashes and the night sweats and the mood uh, changes and the appetite changes, right? And all those things. 
So what's actually happening, let me back up just a little bit into what's happening in your menstrual cycle. Because again, this feeds into what's going on in your body later on. So your menstrual right. cycle is really just a fluctuation of two hormones. It's estrogen and it's uh, progesterone. And there's a tiny bit of testosterone in there too, which tends to surprise women. Yes, you do have testosterone. You just have tiny amount compared to what men have. So when you're bleeding that part of your menstrual cycle, your body's actually really low on all three of those hormones. And you can kind of think of it like a recharge or a reset where your body's really tired. Your body's telling you to sort of like take some time off, take a break, and you can get ready for mm. the next phase. Okay. Then about halfway through your cycle is when you're ovulating. That's the part where uh, you typically get pregnant. And then you get this giant spike of estrogen and a little bit of testosterone. Now, here's the interesting thing. Estrogen is tied directly to your metabolism and it helps regulate all of your hunger hormones, specifically the hunger suppression hormones. They're the mm, I'm full hormones. Okay. The I'm full hormones. So it's a big part of why you're not so hungry that first half of your cycle, right? And why you can generally eat like some richer foods and stuff because your appetite's like pretty well controlled during that first half. And also I mentioned testosterone. You get a, a tiny spike of it right around when you're ovulating. So fun fact, testosterone for women is your sexy time hormone. It's this hormone mm. that makes you feel kind of frisky, right? Right around the ovulation yes. time. So it totally makes sense, right? All right. Fast forward to now you're about three quarters or so of the way through your cycle, about a week before you know your next cycle begins. And that's when we all get our PMS symptoms, right? And what's mm. happening there is you get a giant spike of progesterone, your other hormone. This one's also tied to your hunger hormones, but this is the one of the I'm hungry hormones, right? So that's where we get cravings all the time. We're hungry all the time. And it's less of the I'm full hormones, more of the I'm hungry hormones. Okay. So that was a ton of information. That's what menopause is. That's what your cycle is in terms of the hormones. So what does it all mean, Lindsay? And why should I no care? One. Said no one, but I'm going to answer it anyway. No, <laughs> I know you are, but you're going to bring it home now that I, we've had right. this refresher. Tie it all together. Okay. So when you go through menopause, both your estrogen and your progesterone levels drop. They sink like a rock in water. They drop quite a bit. And that rapid change, very, very rapid change in hormones is what causes those symptoms, right? The, the mood mm. swings, the hot flashes. It's literally just in response to very rapid changes in hormone levels, okay? Mm. Now, remember, both estrogen and progesterone are your hunger hormones, or rather, they um, directly are tied to your hunger hormones, both your I'm full and your I'm hungry hormones. So... I know what you're thinking right now. Gosh, darn it. Well, if my hormones are all over the effing place, then how on earth am I supposed to help all of that? Is it exercise? Is it diet? Do I do hormone replacement therapy? Like, what do I do? And don't worry, mama, I got you. So let's talk about solutions <laughs> next, right? So now you're like, okay, menopause, my hormones are going all over the place. What on earth do I do? And the awesome thing about hormones is that with a healthy lifestyle, you can balance them. And I know, I know, quote unquote, healthy lifestyle. It's such a vague and it's such an overused term. So let's get specifics on what does that look like after 40, right? So there's the diet component. There's the exercise component. Let's start with the diet component. So the same rules still generally apply about getting, you know, like bare minimum six servings of fruits and veggies. 10 is better uh, for reasons like I won't get into here because we don't really have the time. But like same rules still apply for getting all your fruits and veggies, right? pretty simple. But the most important um, thing to remember, <laughs> I would say pretty simple, but yes, we all strive. Okay. I didn't say easy. I said simple. Those are two <laughs> clearly different words. Yes. That is a very good point. Yeah. Right. 
So the rules still apply there. But the most important thing to remember, one of the most important things coming out of this interview that I want you to remember is protein. Now we lose Mm. around one to 2% of our muscle mass every single year from age 30 onward. Every single year you lose one to 2% basically throughout your entire adult life. And that pace just increases as you get older. So getting enough protein is probably one of the biggest problems that I see in women after 40 and particularly women after 50, because that's when it really starts to increase the pace. So I want you to think about getting one gram of protein for every two uh, pounds of body weight that you have. And to phrase it another way, take however much you weigh, take your weight, divide it in half. That's how much protein you need every day. And I know what you're thinking. Oh my God, I'm going to be a cave woman. If I eat all that much, I'm going to bulk <laughs> up like the Hulk. I'm going to look like a female Dwayne Johnson. And no, you won't. I promise. No, you won't. It's a myth. It takes a very, very specific type of strength training, a very specific strength training regimen to bulk up like that. So it's a myth. No, you won't. It doesn't happen on accident, but please do get enough protein. I cannot mm. emphasize that enough for women as we age, like learn to add it to your meals in a ton of little ways. You can add a dollop of plain Greek yogurt to something. You can get an extra serving of lentils or beans with your meal, you know, um, protein Mm -hmm. powder. And I'm dairy intolerant. So there's a ton of vegan uh, protein powders that are really good these days. Uh, You can do a sprinkle of feta cheese on your eggs in the morning, right? There's a ton of different ways to add in protein, but you have to get way more than you probably think that you need. And uh, don't forget to drink lots of water. Water can help balance your hormones probably better than just about anything else can. Wow. I had no idea how important protein was, mm-hmm. how, uh, how big, I mean, everyone talks about how, um, you can't like exercise your way out of bad eating habits, but I love that my eating habits can actually help me get to the body mm-hmm. that I want in a surprising way. Like eat more of this thing. It's mm-hmm. not less. It's like, what are we going to add in here? I think that's going to be a shocker to a lot of women who are listening. Um, and I love, I, I'm somebody who loves beans. So I love that you mentioned lentils. I love that you mentioned beans. So Mm -hmm. that sounds all super doable. Now that's what we're doing food wise and what we're putting into our mouths. What are we going to do exercise? How does the way we need to exercise change after 40? Right. So I want you to think of exercise after 40 as having three components, your muscles, your bones, and your joints. And you're going, Mm -hmm. Duh, Lindsay, that's how, like, that's what a body's made up of. But I genuinely want you to stop thinking of exercise as a way to shrink belly fat or a way to get in Mm. shape, right? So I'm a curvy women's fitness trainer and an orthopedic specialist. And what that means is I am never, ever, ever going to tell you to lose weight or to tell you that you're wrong or you're insufficient in any way. Your body is beautiful. And the changes that your body is going through are beautiful and totally normal. So my goal for you is to teach you how your body works so that you can have a great functioning body into your 80s, your 90s and beyond, right? So that's what my goal for you is. So first up in those three components is your muscles, right? And I mentioned mm-hmm. a couple minutes ago, you're not going to bulk up like the Hulk on accident. That's not, yeah, it's just not going to happen. That right? But you still can't skimp on that strength training because remember, you're still losing that muscle mass so fast, almost faster than you can build it up. So your goal then is just to do strength training just to keep up with that pace, right? Just to keep your body functioning the way that you're used to it functioning. So what does that strength training look like? So two, maybe three times a week, 
I want you to lift something heavy enough that you get tired within 10 times of lifting that thing. And if you can lift that thing more than 10 times, lift something a little bit heavier. Like that's it. That's strength training in a nutshell. It really is that simple. You don't overcomplicate (laughs) it. Like it's find something that you can lift about 10 times before you get tired. Do that two, three times a week. Like that's it. That's strength training. Okay. So that's your muscles, muscles combined with protein. That's going to help keep you from losing that muscle mass so fast. So next up is your bones, the second component. And as women, we lose about 10% of our bone mass the first couple years after menopause. And you're going, oh my, I know that one hurts. That one hurts. If you thought the muscle mass hurts, the bone mass hurts even more. So just like your muscles, the name of the game now is going to be how can you keep up? And the way that you build mm. bone density is through strength training again. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I had a feeling. Yep. So bonus, you get a two for one when you strength train, but it's specific types of strength training, right? So they're uh, weight bearing strength training. What that means is um, like my go-tos for strength training for building bone density are planks because you're bearing weight in your hands, in your arms, and in your upper body. So that's a really good one for upper body. Anything planks, push-ups, anything where you're going to put weight in your hands, that's what weight-bearing strength training means. And my favorite for a low body bone density is squats, because you get your feet, you get your legs, you get your hips, you get everything Mm. in your lower body, right? So between those two, you hit just about everything in the body in terms of strength training and bone density between planks and squats. So I love it because I'm lazy and I'm efficient. So I'm like, what two things can I do? Right? <laughs> right? I love so, it. Right. So the third component that I mentioned, uh, muscles, bones, and now we're going to talk about joints just a little bit. So joints, we think osteoarthritis, right? Osteoarthritis is the type that's wear and tear on your joints. It's quote unquote, the type mm-hmm. you get as you age, which is kind of BS. You don't get it because of age related. You get it because of movement pattern, but that's a whole other story. Mm. But here's the interesting thing about arthritis. It's reversible. You can Mm. regrow cartilage. You can strengthen and regrow tendons and ligaments. You can retrain your joints to function well again and move the way that they could when you were younger. We just don't learn how to do that in regular exercise classes. And that's a huge part of what I teach as an orthopedic specialist. Mm. That's what I teach to my people, both uh, in-person classes in Atlanta and online. So, yay. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Now we've talked about food. We've talked about mm-hmm. fitness and we've talked a little bit about how um, our hormones can influence our sex drive, but we haven't talked at all about how, what fitness has to do with gaining confidence, like in and outside of the bedroom. And I know that there's some tie-ins there that we need to really get to when it comes to exercise and what happens between the sheets. Right. So remember I talked a few minutes ago about testosterone being your sexy time hormone, right? It's the one that makes Mm -hmm. you feel a little bit frisky, at least for women. That's our sexy time hormone, which fun story, estrogen is men's sexy time hormone. So they're like, they're flipped. It's fast. It's fascinating. I love it. (laughs) So fun fact about testosterone, you get more of it through strength training again. So more reasons to strength train. So fun fact, you know, when you uh, build up your muscles, you get more testosterone, more testosterone equals more sexy times. 
it all ties together. We're so excited. So speaking of strength I training, it. Mm -hmm. so I teach a ton of Pilates uh, classes throughout the week. It's one of my favorite classes to teach. And one of the big things that we teach in Pilates is how to strengthen your pelvic floor muscles. And it doesn't sound all that sexy. I wish that they could have named the muscle group something different, but believe it or not, your pelvic floor <laughs> muscles are your sexy time muscles. So mm. you can get a bigger, stronger, more explosive orgasm just by learning how to strengthen your pelvic floor. Super duper cool. We, it's one of those things that's like, we don't talk about, I talk about that in my Pilates classes and the ladies who come, they just get a kick out of it every time that is like, all right, we're training for, for sexy time right now. Love that. I cannot let you get away without sharing. What are one or two like must do moves when it comes to Pilates or another type of exercise that help you with your pelvic floor muscles? I mean, I, I'll walk you through one in a second, but just as a general category, if you uh, yeah. search online, any kind of like Kegel muscles, pelvic floor muscles, there's tons mm -hmm. of them out there. Um, mm -hmm. but I will just really quick walk you through a pelvic floor exercise called a pelvic floor elevator. So I want you to imagine, Love it. uh, let me backtrack a little bit. Your pelvic floor muscles are also the same ones as your bathroom muscles. So they're the same ones that if you're urinating and you have to stop midstream, it's those muscles. Okay. So, uh, just engage those muscles really quick, just so that you know where they are, you know how to turn them on and off. All right. And then you're going to imagine your pelvic floor muscles as an elevator. And we're going to go up a total of three stories. You're going to go to the first floor, the second floor, the third floor. So I want you to engage your pelvic floor muscles, maybe in like 20, 30% as though you're going up to the first floor of a building. Okay. Mm -hmm. I want you to draw them up a little bit closer up to your belly button, a little bit further up, maybe like 40, 50%. Then I want you to draw all the way up to your belly button, really engage, pulling all the way up. And then we're going to go back down Oof. to the second floor, release a little bit release back down to the first floor and then all the way to the ground floor. Like that's it. You just imagine them as an elevator drawing up to your belly button and then drawing back down. So just a tiny little I, exercise. I feel like we've bonded with like thousands of women all <laughs> doing this exercise together at the same time. That I know. was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. All right. I, I, I can't wait to try that again. Of course I was doing it right while you were talking, but I can't wait to try it again. Um, give us some more secrets of, of moves that you like to do. Are there three stretches that you do every day that you think that we all should be following your lead on? Definitely. So um, I stretch a lot in my neck and shoulders because like a lot of people, um, mm. I do have, you know, a, like I work at my computer in the afternoons. I teach fitness classes mm -hmm. in the mornings and in the evenings when people are at the gym. But in the afternoons, I'm doing a lot of computer work. So I'm just as prone as everyone else to the hunched shoulders and, you know, the tight neck mm. and all that. So I've got three quick stretches for you. One is uh, for the sides of your neck, which I like to call your stress muscles, right? So just dropping your right ear down to your right shoulder, right? And in mm. this one, the taller you can sit, the more relaxed your shoulders are, the better it works. If you want to add a little bit more to it, I want you to alternate looking down at your right shoulder and then looking diagonally up towards the ceiling. So you're just adding a little bit of movement, alternating looking Ooh. down at your shoulder and then diagonally up towards the ceiling. So they're the same muscle group. It's your uh, scalene muscles and your levator scapula muscles. And uh, they're some of the ones that hold like all the tension, right? When your shoulders rise up and they hunch, it's those muscles. So that's one. Another one for your neck is, I don't really have a name for it, but give yourself a tiny bit of a double chin 
and then look down mm. towards your chest. Now, the reason why I say mm. the double chin thing is very specific. It's because most of us have this forward head position, which is now mm. medically being relabeled as texting head or sometimes TV mm. head, right? It's this like almost like a turtleneck type position. So combine that with most people just drop their head straight forward and it's very easy to strain the back of your neck. So instead of just dropping your whole head forward, I want you to instead give yourself a tiny double chin, right? You don't have to go like overkill, just a little bit, just enough to recenter your head over your shoulders and then drop your chin towards your chest. So it's a little bit for the back of your neck, same uh, muscle group that kind of holds on to a lot of stress, a lot of tension. Definitely felt that. Right. And then the third one that I do, this is my all-time favorite stretch. Uh, So you bring your arms out to a T, right, to either side of you, and just pulling back. So So it's not your spine. I'm not arching back. It's just your arms pulling back. If you want, you can flip your palms up towards the ceiling, and you're gonna feel your biceps, front of your shoulders, and your chest stretch out. Now, this is my favorite stretch for three reasons. Number one, most of us sit hunched all day. So this is a really good one to open you back up all across the front of your body. Number two, it's a really good one to thwack your neighbor and make it look like an accident. And then number three, (laughs) it's called the why stretch because we look up and we say, why, why me, why? (laughs) So you get a little bit of stress relief too. So like maybe it's a good Thursday afternoon stretch if your boss or your kids or whoever's bugging you and you're like, I just need a minute. Mommy, what are you doing? I'm stretching, but in your head, leave me alone. So I genuinely do all three of those every day. <laughs> that is brilliant. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to start working those into my routine as well. All right, now what about working out when you don't feel like it? I you know, this is your business, this is your life. Mm-hmm. However, there have to be times where you yourself don't feel like putting on the gym clothes and, oh, and lugging yourself down to the gym or putting on the TV and doing something in the living room. Do you have a great secret for everybody in order to motivate ourselves to get it done? Even if it comes down to feeling fitter so we can feel sexier, so we can have a great time in the bedroom. So it's not so much a secret. It's boring, but it works every time. And that's I'll just take it. make it a habit. Like it's boring, mm. but it works. And part of what I teach people is how to break it down into the most easiest, most manageable way possible, you know, whether that's five minutes a day, whether that's two minute movement breaks, you know, throughout your workday, like whatever is the smallest barrier to entry, just like make it enough of a habit that, Mm -hmm. you know, that make the excuse almost um, minimal, you know, right? So that can be like setting reminders on your phone every 30 minutes to just get Mm. up and move for for two minutes. Like that's all you have to do. And like, once you start um, thinking of it in that context of like, it's just two minutes, you know, then it becomes a lot harder to say, well, I don't feel like it, you know, because it's like, well, it's just two minutes. If you break it down to just like those tiny little blocks, then it's a whole lot easier to, to get through it. And we know by the research that exercise is cumulative. Like it doesn't have to be a 30 minute block. It can be 10 blocks of three minutes. It can be 30 blocks of one minute. Like it, it, you really can break it up and you get a lot of the same benefits. 
I think most people don't know that fact that you just shared about exercise being cumulative. I think most people think they have to go to the gym and stay there for a whole hour mm. that day instead of thinking, oh, I could do something 10 minutes here, five minutes there, 15 minutes there, and still get that incredible benefit of having worked out. If it makes y'all feel any better, I don't work out for an hour straight. I'm lazy. I don't feel like it. I don't want to. Like, no, really. I do like 10 minute workouts. I do 15 to 20 minute workouts. I don't have the energy to make it through an hour. And I do this for a living. Like, no, make it into teeny tiny little blocks. Make it so easy that it's almost harder to say no. It's almost harder to make the excuse than it is to just do it. Because, mm. I don't know, you're almost using like human psychology against you. It's like, well, oh, but it's just two minutes. All right. You know, <laughs> like you're using your own laziness against you, kind of. <laughs> I love that. I love getting this validation and this permission mm -hmm. um, from an expert. So thank you so much for that, Lindsay. Oh, yeah. Now, I would love to hear more about how you ended up creating this business and what it took for you to get comfortable as a curvy woman in what is kind of traditionally a skinny industry. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about that. Yeah, sure. So just for a little bit of background information, I am a size 14. I have always been a size 14, even when I was like a teenager and, you know, like you could see six pack abs and all that. I was still a size 14. Like I have never been a traditionally tiny person. So I was an athlete growing up. I was a volleyball player. I used to play on those travel teams. Um, I played in both high school and in college for a little bit. Now, by the time I got to college, excuse me, as a volleyball player, I'd already developed pretty severe arthritis in my hips Ooh. by the age of 19, which even Whoa. my even my doctor at the time was like, people this young don't get arthritis. But remember what I said a few minutes ago that arthritis isn't something you get as you age, it's movement pattern related. Meaning I was walking in such a way, I was playing volleyball in such a way that it just wore down uh, my hip cartilage, right? But remember wow. that arthritis is reversible. So when my doctor at you know, the ripe old age of 19 told me, okay, well, you're just going to have to be careful, you know? Um, and like, they gave me a prescription for some, uh, arthritis medication. And like, that was it. They just sent me out into the wilds mm. of, of, of the world and said, good luck. Like, well, that's kind of BS. Like, why didn't you give me any help? So this was before the days that of, you know, Google being what it is today. So I actually went to the public library and like read books ah. on what is arthritis? How does your body work? How do your joints work? You know, how do we, uh, anti-inflammatory diets, like you name it. I researched the old school way, way back in the day. And the really cool thing is I discovered that all of it is reversible. Arthritis is reversible. You can, um, build, you can strengthen your tendons, your ligaments, your cartilage. You can regrow all of that. And to this day, I've actually rebuilt about 80, 85% of the lost cartilage in my hips. You can regrow. Amazing. It. it takes work, right? It's like strength training, how you strengthen your muscles. It takes work, but you can do it. So it was just over that time period of, well, I can't really play volleyball anymore because it hurt my hips too much. So I was in college still in those years. And I found the campus gym and I found a Zumba class of all things back, uh, you know, back in the early 2000s, which is a dance class for those of you who maybe don't know what Zumba is. And I just fell in love with it. And so I mm. kind of used that as my gateway into fitness. And 
over the next couple years, I just discovered that I really loved working with people who look like me, working with people who had knee stuff or shoulder stuff, or maybe they had diabetes, maybe they had high blood pressure. They Mm. had something to work around, right? That not necessarily a lot of fitness instructors or fitness trainers knew how to work with. Because most people don't realize this. In the fitness industry, we are actually taught as fitness professionals to assume that everyone is naturally healthy, that they are naturally in good shape. Like we are taught Whoa. that the uh, the quote unquote modification for a push up is to do it on your knees. But I'm like, but that's the second hardest variation of a push up. Like, but what about people who can't get on their knees? What about people who can't mm. put weight in their wrists? What about people mm-hmm. who just don't have enough strength to do a push up on their knees? You know, mm. forget forget the joint stuff. What if you don't have the strength for it? So again, fast forward to now I'm about five years or so into my career and I just like start consuming all of this information of like, well, how do I work with, uh, you know, these medical conditions? How do I work with people with larger bodies? And I just became fascinated with the human body, how it works. And I don't know, I just, I fell in love with working with, I call it the beginner half of the spectrum, but it's really anyone who's like deals with real life stuff which let's be honest is 90 plus percent of us, right? Like we've all got something that we're dealing with. So I just, I made a career out of it. I discovered, I love it. I love, you know, providing all those modifications. I love finding out how the body works. Cause once you understand how the body works, it's easy to reverse anything, to work around anything. It's, it's not complicated. Tell us a little bit about some of your most successful clients over 40. What kinds of changes did they make and Mm -hmm. what kinds of benefits do they see like emotionally and physically? So I can't give any names just for anonymity's sake, um, but I can tell you um, that that's primarily who I work with is curvy women over 40. Mm -hmm. And even most of the fitness classes that I teach are in retirement homes. They're in senior living facilities in the morning. So a lot of my clients are even like 80, 90 and above. So I have a wide age range of, you know, mostly women that I work with. And I can say that the biggest uh, changes were genuinely learning how to not think of their bodies as like this embarrassing, you know, thing that needed to be shamed or sort of like hidden behind, you know, these big baggy clothes, but thinking of their bodies as this amazing machine to be taken care of, you know, to rethink Mm. fitness, uh, instead of how can I get my body into great shape? How can I shrink belly fat versus, you know, how can I get my muscles back to where they were functioning before? How can I get my bones back to the density that they were before? How can I get my joints functioning back to the way that they were before? Just as this awesome machine to be taken care of. And it's really that shift that I see in a lot of women that once they start letting go of the shame of, you know, how they've traditionally thought of their body looks to thinking of their bodies as how it performs, how it functions. Um, Mm that that's just a huge change. And I know it doesn't sound all that sexy, but think about it this way. I already taught you, you know, what your sexy time muscles can do. And like one, like you can strengthen your sexy time muscles. If your goal is to build a bigger, rounder butt, you can do that through squats. Like you can absolutely (laughs) be selfish about it. It doesn't have to be just like, yeah, I'm building a functional body. I'm like, no, I want an awesome butt. Tell me how to build an awesome butt. I can do that. So, I mean, you can absolutely be somewhat selfish about it and even a bit vain about it. Like I totally am, but (laughs) no shame there. 
<laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that shift in thinking about not appearance, but thinking about performance. Mm-hmm. And I love that idea of, um, yes, like not body shaming yourself, but also recognizing the power um, that can come from reshaping yourself if you choose to, um, mm-hmm. or just getting that kind of clock to turn back and to have that physicality, that strength, that mobility that you had when you were younger. So mm-hmm. fitness is is a little bit of a magic wand. And I love that you're reminding us all of that yeah. um, today. I do want to make the process of getting fit a little bit easier for people. And so I love that you share that you can, hey, you can break this down. You don't have to do it all at once. You have to make it a habit. Are there any other hacks? Are there any other tips that you can share with our listeners so that they can help make their fitness dreams come true and not get derailed? Totally. So the biggest piece of advice that I give people, you know, when they're trying to figure out strategy wise is to automate as much of the process as you can, like use Google calendar to schedule your workouts, Mm. use Google Mm -hmm. reminders to, you know, every 30 minutes, tell yourself to get up, just move for two minutes. Remember it's cumulative. You can move for one to two minutes. That's all you need. Use apps, you know, to find a walking group or an accountability partner or, you know, Mm. someone that'll notice when you miss a workout. And I specifically say pay for a group or an app instead of using a friend for free. Because let's face it, like we're all busy. If you're paying someone to hold you accountable, that person is a lot more likely to do it than a friend who's doing it like as a favor and has their own busy life to keep track of. Um, like over the years, I found a couple different accountability apps that only cost like $5 a month. Like it doesn't have to be a huge no. sum of money, but like you're paying a stranger to text you every day saying like, Hey, did you drink your water today? Hey, did you go for your walk today? And like, it can be that simple. Just use technology to your advantage. Um, again, with like making the entry to barrier so easy, uh, put a gym bag full of cl- of uh, workout clothes and shoes in the trunk of your car so that you have one less excuse to go to the gym or to go for a walk. Um, If you're worried, like let's say you like to walk outdoors, but you're worried about rain, pack a rain jacket and an umbrella in your car, like make it as easy as possible. Um, You know, for food prep, buy food that's already pre-prepped to a certain extent, like rotisserie chicken, frozen veggies, and Mm. microwavable bags of brown rice are I can't even count how many go-tos like that. Like I will make a sauce to go with it, but I'm like, that's my dinner. Cause again, I'm a real person. If my dinner is not ready in 15 minutes or less, I, <laughs> like it ain't happening. So I, you know, even myself, I buy a lot of pre-prepped food. You can absolutely let the grocery store do a lot of the work for you. Just make it as easy as possible on yourself. It doesn't have to be complicated or or drawn out or hard in any way. I think people tend to overthink it. They tend to um, psychologically in their minds, you know, imagine um, eating healthy and this healthy lifestyle and exercising as this huge mountain that they have to climb. And mm. it's really, it's really yeah. not. It's, it's all cumulative. Um, just break it down into tiny little things. And just like exercise is cumulative, diet is also cumulative. Like every oh. tiny little change also reaps Mm. benefits, right? Even just tiny little changes um, reaps massive benefits over time. 
I love that. And I love the food advice that you just shared. I am the queen of assembling meals, but I am not a great cook, <laughs> but I can assemble the heck out of a meal. So yep. <laughs> and it's time saving and it just makes everything, it makes it much easier to eat mm-hmm. healthfully. So I'm glad that you brought that up. I am also a huge fan of One Hit Wonders, and I am hoping that you can share with our listeners one thing that you want them to do after listening to us today. What is that one thing that that you want them to do after hearing about fitness after 40 that is really going to start to move the needle for them? Well, in case I haven't said it enough times, getting enough protein and strength training are the two most important things you can take from this. Like hands down, that's going to reap the most benefits. Because remember, when you strength train, you also balance your hormones. When you strength train, you get more testosterone. So sexy time gets a little bit more exciting. When you strength Mm -hmm. train, you get bone density. When you strength train, you typically get some joint mobility along with it. Like there's so many benefits. Uh, Thinking about protein as how can you add more into your diet starts to get you to think, well, how can I add more veggies in? Well, how can I add more water in? You start thinking about what you can add to your diet rather than what you can take out. So just those two shifts have huge benefits that bring along with them. I love that. And then it doesn't feel like you're coming from this place of deprivation and what am I taking away and what can't I have? It's Mm -hmm. all about the things that you can have and the things Mm -hmm. that you get to do. Mm -hmm. So, so brilliant. All right, Lindsay, this has been an incredible conversation. I already know the things that I'm going to be doing next to change my fitness, to change my diet, to keep myself accountable because I love that accountability app tip that you just shared. Um, I know that our listeners are going to want to keep the conversation going going with you. So can you share with them, one, where you are most active on social media? And two, I know you have a little gift for everybody. So please share that with them as well. Definitely. So funny story, I'm not on social media and I haven't actually been since 2011, which is crazy. I know. So I actually (laughs) think I'm one of those people who think social media is like ruining our mental health. I got off social media way before it was quote unquote cool to do so, but I'm genuinely like so much happier uh, not being on social media, but you can find me on my website, which is lindsaywent.com. Like you went somewhere. Uh, You can also sign up once you're on my website, you can sign up for a free 20 minute training, which is called get the five tools to relieve pain better faster and longer than ibuprofen. And in that training, I do a deep dive into the five things you need to know to reverse joint pain as you age. So like in this uh, conversation, I talk more about the muscles and the bones. I didn't dive so much into the joints, but in that free training is where I dive uh, much deeper into the joint side of things. Sounds amazing. We will make sure that we're going to include all of those details in the show notes. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here with us today. We so greatly appreciate it. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Thank you, Linya. It was a blast. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. Your support means so much to us. And I hope you got some great value from today's episode. If you're looking for resources from today's show, or you'd like to join other women just like you looking to explore their sexual health and wellness, visit us over at scarletsociety.com.